Happiness is an inside job. At Happy Healthy You, Connie Bowman helps us find our way with inspiring conversations and healthy ideas for living a whole life in mind, body, and spirit. Happy Healthy You, and now here's Connie. Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the exciting and innovative podcast about living a whole life in mind, body, and spirit. Actually, it's not all that innovative. It's uh, just my labor of love. I've been doing it for about six years, and I've been interviewing some really cool people for the past six years. You can go back and listen to them if this is your first time here, and I've interviewed authors and actors and people in the health and wellness field and it's been really fun and I've really enjoyed that but this month I'm trying something a little bit new it's just me and I'm not sure I can stand myself so I don't know how long it's gonna last but if you can bear it I'm gonna bear it and we'll just see where it goes so how are you (laughs) I know this is a really busy time of year, but it's also a great time to get outside. And I always take a walk or a run and I listen to podcasts. I love bringing a podcast along with me. I've been listening to some new ones and I just get so excited. Sometimes I get all wrapped up in a series of podcasts, kind of like binge watching a, your favorite Netflix show. And I I just listen to them until they're all done, and I get so excited. So um, I hope you're enjoying this beautiful fall weather and getting outside, getting some fresh air, sunshine, before things get colder. (laughs) Seasons change, right? And we roll with the punches. We roll with the changes because that's who we are. And we practice our balance in mind, body, and spirit, this podcast hopefully is going to build on the last one where I kind of explained what I mean by finding balance in mind, body, and spirit, which is a the job of our lifetime, <laughs> as we know, right? So uh, as I said, I'm Connie Bowman, the host. I am so happy you're here. I am doing a lot of things right now, as I'm sure are you. The fall is a busy time. But I have a really exciting uh, thing to announce that I have a new book coming out next month, October 15th. Super Socks arrives on the scene. It's like I'm birthing this new baby. And Super Socks is a children's picture book. And it's for kids from eh, about four to maybe nine or 10 years old. And it uh, is about acceptance. Um, I wrote children, I wrote Super Socks. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I guess, um, submitted it to a publisher and they said, yeah, let's go. Let's go. I already had worked with this one publisher. Shout out to Brandy Lane. I love you guys. I love working with you guys. They're a small press down in Richmond, Virginia. Um, I had done my first book, which is 
there is an elephant in my bathtub. And I had such a good time with that. I just decided, let's crank one more out. Why not? And they were on board. So we did. We've been working on it all year. I used the same illustrator, the awesome Kelly O'Neill. I love that she is a consistent presence in both of my books because her artwork is just so adorable. And I think she really brings the essence of the message of acceptance and fun and kindness and just joy uh, into my pages. And so thank you, Kelly. Shout out to you as well. So many shout outs in this podcast. And also, I just want to mention, um, I'm really enjoying working with uh, some of the Uh, people who have participated in Insight Timers course that I created in collaboration with uh, the good people from Insight Timer, that awesome meditation app. Um, It's called The Process of Sacred Grieving. And it's it's sort of goes along with my book, Back to Happy, which was um, my book from a few years back uh, when I wrote about healing from the loss of my daughter, Megan. And um, the subtitle of the book is A Journey of Hope, Healing, and Waking Up. And my intention for both writing the book and working on this Insight Timer course is to really help people move gracefully through the stages of grief. I mean, as gracefully as is possible. It's, It's... yeah, not easy grief. It's something we will all go through if we are fortunate enough to love anyone in this life. We will grieve loss. And um, it was just my love offering um, to kind of show what worked for me. um, Because when Megan died, I was not only the mother of a three-year-old, but I also was pregnant with my son. And um, I really had no choice. Mm, I guess I had a choice, but the choice I made was to try to heal from this loss. And I had a lot of nudges from spirit, from God, from Megan, from somewhere that was not I don't think was within me in that direction. And I share them in Back to Happy, some little just synchronicities and miracles. I know you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, These things happen when uh, we put ourselves on the spiritual path. And I wanted to share what worked for me. And um, so uh, you can check out the Insight Timer app and the course is called the process of sacred grieving. Um, you can buy. I think they they charge a certain amount for uh, unlimited use of the course, or you can buy a one time use for just a small price. And um, of course, there's a lot of free meditations there, including some of mine that I have uh, put up there, and they are completely free. But the course there is a Uh, nominal charge for the course. So check that out. And uh, yeah. And also one more thing, (laughs) and then we'll get to this podcast, the meat of the podcast, Blue Planet Eyewear. I can't say enough about our sponsor for this podcast. They make the awesomest readers, which I'm wearing now, and sunglasses in so many styles and so many magnifications 
that you can find something you like there. And they are eco-friendly and they give back in so many ways and make the world a better place. And I just love these guys. They're a family-owned business and they're out of California. They're always checking in on me to see if I'm okay, see if I need some more readers. And I usually buy a few new pairs every couple of months because you know how they disappear, right? You with me on that? They definitely disappear. I don't know where they go. They're like socks. They're like super socks. They get eaten. <laughs> eaten by the washing machine. I don't know what happens to readers. They probably disappear down the uh, in the little cushions, the sides of the cushions of our chairs and our sofas. But um, I guess I, I should probably go look there. Maybe I'll look there after this podcast. <laughs> Anyway, check out BluePlanetEyewear.com. Use the code Connie20 and you'll get a great 20% discount. So there you go. It's all for you, my friends. (laughs) So let's get into this podcast. Let's kind of do a little follow-up on the Mind, Body, Spirit podcast. Like, is balance even possible? We talked about in the last podcast. And um, I do think, uh, just like grief, uh, there are some challenges that we go through in life that are just something that we have to be uh, vigilant about. We have to work through it. And uh, love takes time, as one of my acting teachers used to say, love takes time. It's also a song, right? He was quoting that song. Um, But it's true. Everything that's worthwhile takes time. If you're in recovery, God bless you, you know it takes time. If you're healing from a loss, you're going to have to put in the time. If you're working on a PhD, can't take the shortcuts, right? It takes time. Love takes time. So does anything that's worthwhile, including love. Marriage takes time. Relationships take time. Growing a baby to a full-fledged Adult human being takes time, and that's love. So what I want to talk a little bit about is how to navigate this life, and especially uh, if you're, you're one of those people who say you are spiritual but not religious. I think that's a lot of us these days. Yeah, I think religion has a lot of work to do if it's going to stay alive and well, but I'd also like to say that it has a lot to offer our culture. No matter what religion you come from, all of us, if we go far enough back, we come from some tradition. So whatever strand you come from in your background, your history, if you do some digging, there is something to offer all of us. And it is my contention that uh, as... I have gotten older, I have revisited the religion of my childhood and gone deeper, and I have I've found some pearls there. And I just want to talk about that a little bit, but also uh, in the context of a sort of a life of <laughs> exploration and experience. So here's a segue. <laughs> If you've ever done a play, have you ever done a play? Yeah, well, I have done many. Um, you know that in there's a little program, or if you've ever gone to a play, you read 
in the program. There's a short bio, and um, sometimes there's a headshot next to the bio, just to share with the audience a little bit about the actor's background, and um, it's usually just a few sentences about your experience, whom you'd like to thank for your great success, and um, so when I did community theater in Laurel, Maryland, shout out to Laurel, yay, uh, we performed on the very same stage. I think I did Godspell, I did uh, Damn Yankees, played Lola, I did Oklahoma there, I don't know, maybe a couple more. Um, but anyway, we performed on the same stage uh, as I had performed in elementary school, believe it or not. It had morphed into part of the high school that was next door, but um, when I was in elementary school, it was Margaret Ann Edmonston Elementary School in Laurel, Maryland. And I performed in the first grade as a bright, yellow, shiny sunbeam. I was wearing this cutest costume with little sunbeam. I look like, uh, what's that butter commercial where the guy's wearing the sun... Uh, no, it's a it's a sausage commercial, I think. But anyway, I was wearing a bright yellow sunbeam costume. And um, so in the program, just to commemorate the fact that I was performing on the same stage as my first grade play, I um, wrote in my program that I had been a sunbeam on this very stage, because why not, right? I mean, pfft made sense. But my friend and fellow castmate Shannon used to tease me to no end. Shout out to Shannon. I love you, Shannon. But she would tease me because my bio always mentioned the sunbeam. And of course, I couldn't leave out my small part as a high school student in the movie Grease. Shannon would say, sunbeam Grease, sunbeam Grease. <laughs> Whenever we had a new program printed, Shannon was kind of the blonde and I was the brunette in um, a lot of the plays that we did. Yeah, sometimes, you know, they have to cast different types opposite each other. And um, for a while, Shannon and I performed together. Um, anyway, Sunbeam, that's self-explanatory. But Grease, there's more on that later. Let's segue with a scene change. Let's call this a scene change instead of a segue. So the Latin translation of the word religion is relegar, meaning to bind. Hey, the word yoga means to link or to bind as well, to yoke or to link or to bind. Hmm. Yoga for me has also been a spiritual path as uh, the stillness of the mind and the uh, calm presence in the body helps me to be more present to God. I find those similar meanings interesting, don't you? Just stay with me. When thought about religion and yoga as a spiritual path can be a solid resource to help us remember that we're part of something bigger, something that has our backs, something that can be a comfort in hard times, a constant cheerleader for us in joyful times. But as I said, religion has kind of gotten a bad rap. But I would just like to say it does serve an important function in our society and certainly has for me. A few years ago, uh, my friend Scott and I were working on a pitch for a local PBS station. We were going to do this show called Sacred Spaces. Well, it didn't pan out. But during the course of our exploration and research, we went to 
the Catholic Diocese of Maryland, and we spoke with um, the communications director there, and he gave us a lot of really interesting statistics about um, the Catholic Church, which especially has gotten a bad rap. He said that in our state, in the state of Maryland, if the Catholic Church were to go away, more than half of the services for the poor, the homeless, disenfranchised in our state would go away completely. The Catholic Church provides that much. And I would venture to guess that other denominations and other spiritual groups probably participate, but the Catholic Church especially helps a lot of people in our state. I was raised Episcopalian, and I went to church on and off throughout my life. I went to Sunday school, sang in the choir, was confirmed even at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. That was pretty overwhelming. (laughs) I had a pretty solid foundation um, that really helped sustain me through ups and downs. Whether I was really aware of it or not, and I was not always aware, I'm sure, I must confess. Scene change. We're going back to Greece now. So I mentioned the movie Greece. When I was 17, I was cast in the movie Greece. The most exciting movie. Come on. How many times have you seen Greece? I've probably, well, I've seen it many times because I'm in it, but I know you've probably seen it at least a few times, if not more. So I was cast in that movie with Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta. Yes, I got to meet them. I flew out to Hollywood and uh, I was only 17. It was a life-changing event that kind of came about serendipitously. I had performed in high school, Laurel High School, in the play Grease, the musical Grease. And uh, when my friend Jim Hall, I have to shout out to Jim, another shout out, Jim Hall, he called me and told me about these auditions for this film, which I didn't know anything about. He, For some reason, he felt strongly that I should audition. I don't know why. He didn't call anybody else. He called me. And we weren't even really close friends. We were good friends. But um, I don't know. I just, I always think about him. And I was like, when, I wonder why he picked up the phone and called me. But anyway, I, I mentioned it to my sister. And she was the one who said, yes, we're going to go. So my sister... And I took my Broadway cast recording of Greece in album form, and we drove ourselves to uh, Landover Mall and uh, made our way to a very small room deep in the recesses of Landover Mall in Landover, Maryland, where I sang Freddie My Love from the play Greece at the top of my lungs to a few auditors. And I could see that they were smiling as I sang, but I was just like, hmm, I don't know. I was a little nervous, I guess, but I was really not understanding the full import of this audition. I just kind of went with it. Uh, it was just something that came up that was sort of unusual. Um, so I did my thing, and I left feeling okay about my performance. Well, when the call came that I was moving forward, I was pretty darn excited. I called my sister. I said, Sally, we did it. We did it. We did it. Yeah, I got to give a shout out to my sister, right? Sally, I love you. Oh, I have the best sister. Anyway, um, I kind of forgot that this whole thing had come about in such a mysterious way. It was really just so incredible 
And I just proceeded through the next round of auditions. So the next one was at the Columbia Mall. But it was not in a room this time. It was out in the open mall on a stage right in front of the former Heck Company store. Again, I sang Freddie My Love, uh, but they, they got a twofer with me. I, they had me model um, some clothes from Heck Springline. I think I modeled some pajamas and a couple of shorts sets. And um, it was a means of promotion as well as a part of something bigger, this new up-and-coming uh, Grease movie. As I progressed to the final audition, I started to see that this was kind of a big deal. The final auditions were at Tyson's Corner Mall in Northern Virginia. Tyson's Corner was the big mall. It had so many stores. Um, I don't think I'd ever even been to Tyson's Corner, but I knew about it. I knew it was this giant mall um, down in Falls Church. I think, or McLean, Virginia. Anyway, Northern Virginia. And uh, I was to sing in front of quite a few people. I wasn't sure how many at the time, but I knew that there were going to be more people than had been at either of my two prior auditions. So they had publicized this, and people were coming from all over to watch these final auditions. It was kind of like uh, America's Got Talent or, you know, one of those shows, the smaller version, right, before before they came about. There was no modeling at this one. I actually wore my mother's dress from the 1950s. My mom was tiny, but um, it was a little tight on me. My mom was tiny and a little bit shorter than me um, when she was in her teenage years, but it fit. It fit, and it was just right for the part. I almost backed out at the very last minute. I pretended I had a sore throat. (laughs) But the contest supervisor, this really nice woman, persuaded me to go to the drugstore and get a throat lozenge or two and get up there on stage. She told me, she told me, and I quote, she said, you have a really good chance at this, Connie. You need to do this. So my mom and my sister were there, and uh, they encouraged me as well, and I gathered all my courage. Once again, I sang Freddie My Love with all of my 17-year-old passion, kind of forgot about my sore throat. (laughs) You know, when you're in the flow, you forget about everything. Everything else falls away, and I did love to sing. I still love to sing, and um, Freddie My Love, you know, that was in my wheelhouse, (laughs) So I sang it with everything I had. And when it it was time to announce the winner, I could feel my heart beating wildly. Even now, as I recall it, I just remember standing up on that stage with the other, I don't know, 10 or so finalists. And I kind of forgot in that moment that I was this, this spiritual being having a human experience. All I knew was that I wanted this part. I had worked for it and it was mine. I had worked my way through the fears and the anxiety and um, the three different auditions I had to do in the modeling. And the announcer had a few sheets of paper in her hand. And I, I knew that there, were, there was like a runner-up who would take the place of uh, the winner. And then there were two winners, actually. They decided because we were in the Washington, D.C. area, that there would be one winner from the D.C. area and one winner from Maryland. 
And um, this was a this was actually a promotion for the movie Grease, and they were picking one high school kid from each state to represent and sort of you know drum up excitement because each of us would have our little media tours after uh, the movie was released or between the time of the filming and the movie being released. And so it would generate some buzz for the movie. I guess that was the idea. So the announcer had, as I said, a few sheets of paper. And when she announced the runner-up, it wasn't me. My heart's beating faster, faster. I really wanted even more now that she's not mentioning my name. I'm like, oh. Then I saw the corner of the very last sheet of paper and my Polaroid picture was stapled to the edge. She announced the second winner and it was a guy, a really nice guy. I'd gotten to know him. I can't remember his name for the life of me. And time sort of stood still in that moment as I knew that my picture was there. I was pretty sure I was in. I was so full of me, 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 and I was just... I, I knew that I had won. When they announced my name, I could see my mother and my sister out in the audience, and they were jumping up and down, and tears were streaming down their face. It was quite a moment of joy and celebration. And so they asked me to sing Freddie My Love one last time. I had to belt it out, even though I was just so excited, and I just wanted to jump down into the audience and hug my mom and my sister. And Anyway... <laughs> It was very fun. It was an exciting, life-changing, you know, for a 17-year-old to uh, win a part in a movie and be able to go out to Hollywood. It was, it, was, it was very exciting. But on the way home, I totally forgot to be grateful. Totally forgot. I just basked in the glory of this exciting event. I knew I was off to Hollywood. That's all I could think about. And at that time, I thought, gee, my life is never going to be the same. I'm going to be discovered. (laughs) Well, it didn't change my life as much as I thought it might. And I just went off to college where I kind of combined all my interests into one major, sort of inspired by the Greece experience and my dad's suggestion that I would be good at PR like this really well-dressed, stylish PR woman from New York City who ran the contest. I married my high school sweetheart, Rob after college and we had our first daughter Megan in 1985 and I was deep into forgetting (laughs) that I was this spiritual being living this human life when that sweet baby was born and I loved her so much I just loved her so much I just my love and her love that was all I needed all was really good I was grateful I guess and I was I just wouldn't say I was conscious of um, or appreciative of God or um, any kind of spiritual connection. Well, then we found out the terrible news that she had a heart defect. It was pretty bad. Things got very serious for a while. I was scared. I was, you know, I had this little precious little baby that I loved so much. And there was this threat that she could be taken away from me, I guess. I suppose I started praying again then. I had to remember that I was 
spiritual because things were desperate. I needed to know there was hope. And I know, I'm pretty sure I prayed for her to be well then, yeah. I know I did. When she died on May 5th in 1991, several years later, I had another daughter at the time and a son on the way, and I had a lot to deal with my grief, my daughter Caroline's grief, and this new baby boy that would come into the world. And he was so wanted, but it was during such a time of trauma and loss. And then there was my husband's grief, and of course our marriage. That kind of just fell by the wayside. Didn't really have time to think about that. I think I just pushed physically, emotionally, mentally pushed and pushed to try to make things better. And for months after her death and into the first months of Bobby's life, I just kind of muscled through. I was forgetting again. I was forgetting that I, I didn't have to do this alone, that I actually had some divine resources. I had learned about them, after all. I was confirmed in that National Cathedral, that big, beautiful, sacred space. And then I crashed. I think that day was the final straw. I had pushed and pushed until I was just ready to give up. That was the day I call my surrender day. The day I got on the floor of my living room on my knees and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed until I had no prayers left and I cried and I gave it to God. I just knew somewhere, somewhere deep down, I knew that I was incapable of doing this alone and I needed help. And I physically stayed there until I felt like I was all prayed out, all cried out. I remember that day like it was yesterday. We forget and then remember, and then we forget again, and we remember. All of our life is really just a sequence of forgetting and remembering. When things are good, we can forget. We can live as though we are just eternally blessed. We party and celebrate and forget that all blessings flow from our Creator, And then trials come and we moan and we lament and we remember sometimes that we are actually dust. We're mortal and vulnerable and at the mercy of something much larger than we are. Paradoxically, because everything is a paradox and so hard to figure out, when things are not so smooth in life, We can forget that we are in the hands of something much greater and more powerful. In our preoccupation with our problems, we can just push and push, as I did, trying to make the situation better. And we forget, I forgot, that there is this thing called prayer, and 
this promise that when we seek, we will find in times of abundance and joy. We can remember, if we're awake enough, that we are divinely loved beyond our wildest imaginations. We can pray here, prayers of gratitude, staying in the divine flow of that love. Here's another scene change. (laughs) The acting business has provided some really good lessons for me in remembering and forgetting. I think anybody who's ever worked in uh, the acting field knows that when we're booking jobs and we're working steadily, it's easy to forget, easy to forget to be grateful. We feel like we're on top of the world. The ego is king. There's no room for God, no need for God. We get cocky. We think it's all our talent and our good looks and our specialness. It's gotten us where we are. And then the lean times come. That's when the bad thoughts can really overwhelm an actor. I remember in back earlier in the history of this podcast, I interviewed a young actor and he talked about how he got down to his last can of tuna fish and he was ready to go home to move back in with his parents. And that is when the call came and he got a part on Broadway. But during those lean times, we can lose hope. (laughs) We think, maybe I'm not all that. Or maybe I'm getting old. I'm all washed up. Oh, yeah. God's in that too, but mostly we forget. I forgot. When things are slow... A mature, spiritually sound actor could choose to remember that things cycle as all is really impermanent, as Buddha would say. Life is more of a spiral, circling us inward toward the center. We can choose to fight it, or we can just surrender to the inward flow. When jobs flow in and all seems well, we can choose to live in a state of gratitude and graciousness and appreciation that spirals ever outward toward others and God. We can be a light to those who are in the darker parts of their lives. Acting for me has been a really good teacher. When I audition for something and I don't get it, I've learned to trust that it wasn't for me. It's not always wise to take every part we are offered, as I've learned the hard way. (laughs) And some of the best parts I've had the honor to play have come just easily and effortlessly. Of course, these are the ones that in my humanness, in my forgetting, I have questioned the most. Can you relate? Like, even in other fields of work where... Um, We might be, you know, seeking success in the same way that an actor might seek fame. When things are going well, we can forget. Even when things are not going well, we can forget. It's really a choice. We can choose to remember 
that we are a part of a divine flow, a part of a stream of tradition, whatever your tradition is that goes back hundreds, maybe thousands of years that connects us to our source. We can choose that. We can choose to pray our way through the tough times and the joyful times. And that keeps us in this stream, in the stream that connects us to our ancestors, in the stream that connects us to spirit, to God, whatever name you decide to call her. (laughs) When my daughter Caroline was asked to do the reading for Kinky Boots, I was so glad she asked me. I got to go and watch it. But um, Caroline did not audition. She didn't have to audition. She'd already been in Wicked, and the musical director knew her, and uh, she was offered the part for this reading, um, I think because someone had backed out, maybe at the last minute. So if you're not familiar with a reading, when they're doing these uh, Broadway plays, it takes so many years to get a Broadway play to the stage, and it goes through these different uh, workshop levels where they uh, table read and then they workshop it and then ultimately uh, before it goes to Broadway or the theater it they do a reading and for Kinky Boots the actors were cast and they would stand up in front of an audience a small audience usually invited um, I went there I sat next to Judith Light I was so excited. Um, There were a lot of celebrities there. There was a lot of buzz about Kinky Boots, and I got to go because I was her mommy. Um, But anyway, the actors stand up in front of the audience with music stands, and they read the play, and they sing the play. They pretty much act it all out uh, uh, with a minimal amount of choreography uh, or blocking. Um, They actually did a couple of the dances. I think it was really exciting because Kinky Boots, if you haven't seen it, there are some amazing dance numbers. So if you haven't had a chance to see it, definitely see it. It's such a great show. Um, So anyway, she uh, got this part, and because she didn't have to audition, because it came to her so easily, she really questioned, she forgot She forgot that she is a divine child of God. And why shouldn't she have this part? But she questioned. She also questioned whether it was a wise part to take because she's smarter than her mother. She was in Wicked. She had a part. She was only in the ensemble at that point. Later on, she was to play Elphaba, which was very cool. But she was in the ensemble. And for her to leave the cast of Wicked to go into this new show called, of all things, Kinky Boots, we all questioned whether it was a wise decision. But things moved on. Kinky Boots went to Broadway. Caroline was a part of the original cast. And it was cool. The show went on to win, I think, 13 Tony Awards. She was blessed. Caroline was blessed. But she forgot to accept that blessing at the time. And then she remembered again. And now she is and she was and she always will be grateful and humbled by that experience. 
And I think that taught her a lot about being present to accepting those gifts as they come and not questioning. I am grateful that my children are a lot smarter than me. When we are wise and mature in our faith, we can be in a more constant state of awareness of this loving presence that is God or whatever name you call her. We can draw on it always. It's a living well of grace that can sustain us through the downs of life and remind us of our dusty beginnings even during the most joyous of times. When we have a foundation of faith, and this is my pitch for not giving up on the religion of your childhood. When we have a foundation of faith, little can throw us off center. We are again and again, even when we forget, we are relinked to the God, to the spiritual stream that was there from the beginning and will always be. In yoga, we might call this a drishti or a gazing point, something to look at that is eternal, never changing. So if you're struggling with your faith, you might try a little yoga. Get still. And then give God another chance. I offer you this prayer today. Dear God of joys and sorrows, help us to always remember your presence, even in the darkest times. Help us to always remember to look to you in happy times and sad. Help us to keep the conversation going, the phone lines open, the truth flowing from our hearts to our lips to you. Help us to remember, God, that you are there, here, in the darkness and the light, even unto the end of time. Amen.